This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, I realize these are very familiar scripture for most of you, uh, but we are going to read them from the Amplified Classic. It's going to read a little differently. It's going to be obviously more emphatic, uh, amplified meaning. You're going to see what Paul was actually writing this to a young pastor named Timothy, and he was trying to get him prepared for the times even that he was living in. And of course, they've even gotten much worse since then. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, from the Amplified Classic, if you don't have that, then I think we may even put it on the screen. As a matter of fact, it's already up there. It says, but understand this, that in the last days will come, and then I circled these next few words, set in. Everyone say set in. Well, I wish those words weren't there. I wish it would just be like come and go. But it says, last days will come, will set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with, and hard to bear. For people, now if you think this sounds like 2023, you can grunt or amen as we go. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth. Not wealth, notice it's got greed there with wealth, greedy desire for wealth. Proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. Does that sound like today? They will be without natural human affection. Wow. Callous and inhuman, relentless, admitting of no truce or appeasement. In other words, they they don't want to settle anything. They want to keep things stirred up. They don't want to settle anything. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate, and loose in morals and conduct. Does that sound pretty much like today? Uncontrolled and fierce haters of good. We could put in there haters of God too. They will be treacherous, betrayers, rash, and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. You know, we've got more things to amuse us today than we've ever had. There's nothing wrong with you having some leisure. There's nothing wrong with you doing things that you enjoy. There's nothing wrong with you having some fun. God isn't, but but we can't be consumed with it. When a man is 35 and he has a family, he does not need to be sitting home and and not going to work ever because he's trying to conquer the next level of a war game. Nothing wrong with you playing it. I'm telling you, I'm saying to be consumed with it. Are you hearing me? All right. 
don't, don't take out of context what I said, all right? For although they hold, now this is the kicker to this whole thing. Although they hold a form of piety, true religion, they talk about Jesus. They can quote a scripture. They go to church on occasion. Even though they hold a form of piety or true religion, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Why would you be a stranger to the power? Well, because if you get close to the power, the power is going to change you. Most people don't want, they, don't, they want just enough of Jesus to save them, but not enough of him to change them. They want to be comfortable on their way to heaven. And of course, the question is, are they really on their way to heaven? Only God knows. Notice this. Are strangers to the their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. In other words, they they put on this thing that they're super religious, but the way they act, you'd never know it. Now I'm going to get off on my pet peeve. You're going to have to help me here for just a minute. But, but let's get to the last part of this verse. Look at this. Don't you see it? Avoid. Does it say party with? Avoid all such people. How many? All such people turn away from them. So we're in a time of very, some difficult times, and there are a lot of things going on. And if you don't know how to walk with God, you're going to be sucked in to all of this minutia that's out there. And we have a lot of Christians that if you didn't know, I mean, if you saw them away from church, you would never know they're a Christian. Now, they fuss, and I heard Joyce Meyer say, she said, you know, I used to, I'd fuss and fight with Dave and spew and spat and do the whole thing, and we turned into the par parking lot, we were still spewing and spatting in the car. We get out, and the first brother or sister say hello to me, I go, praise God, how are you doing today? And I'd go in there, and I'd, I'd sing the little song, and the whole time, I'm, she said, I'd be thinking, if he thinks I'm cooking him anything today, he's just crazy. I'm not cooking him anything. I don't care if he starves. She said, well, my hands are raised, and I'm praising God in the church. She said, this is the way it used to be. She's talking about this is the way she used to be. Now, that's pretty bad, but now we have people that are in the church that leave and they go straight back into the world as if they never were born again and saved and just participate in what's in the world. Don't shut me down because I'm preaching now. I'm a pastor that's going to call sin, sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is? When sin is finished, it brings forth? That's Bible. And if you don't have a preacher that's got the guts to tell you that you've got to stay away from the stuff in the world and quit acting like that, then you don't have the right guy. What you're going to get from Pastor Ginger means a whole lot of experience. We've been doing this a long time. Now, you can go get a younger guy. I'll tell you this much, though. I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to make this statement public right now. I could outwork any young guy out there. I challenge him. I, I'd work circles around any of them because we got a generation of lazy people. I was raised on the time, man, you, when, the, when, the, you know, when the darkness, when the first crack of light, your butt was out that door, you were on that job, you were working to get that pay to bring it home to take care of your family, and if you had any time left to yourself, it was a miracle. But we're living in difficult times. We're living in treacherous times. And we've got to know this, but, but if I were to leave it there, I said it this morning, if I would just let that hang there, 
It would be so negative and it would make us feel so hopeless, but the truth is you are built for this time. God had you born now. You're born for this time. God didn't put you down here to be inept and incomplete and, and powerless and weak and feeble. God has given you what you need. It's on the inside. Sometimes it has to be stirred up. Somebody has to come along and bring a message to get you to get going. But I'm telling you, you've got the goods to overcome in this time. Amen. I'm not afraid in this time. I'm not going to go home and shut my door and lock it in this time. If another wave of COVID is coming, then another wave of healing is coming too. Hallelujah. Thank God for it. God got us through the last wave. He'll get us through this wave, my God. He hasn't changed. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm not going to get worried about it. I'm not going to get stressed out about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, panic. What I am going to do is run back and find out what God wants me to do in this day and this hour. Jesus said, you are a light to the world. He said, I, I, I've invested in you. And he's given us all the weapons we need to be overcomers in this lifetime. So we got to deal with these difficult times. There's some out there. You know, I was reading another scripture over in James, and when I, they'll put this up too in the Amplified Classic in uh, verses 1 through 4 and then 12, 17 of chapter 1. He said, James, a servant of God, this, by the way, half-brother Jesus. James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad among the Gentiles in the dispersion. Greetings, rejoice. Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you're enveloped or in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith, here's what's supposed to happen. Bring out endurance, and steadfastness and patience. When you're going through something, God says, I know how to bring something out while you're going through. You're going through something, and I'm going to bring some stuff out of you you didn't even know you had, that you probably won't even know you have unless you go through. We don't want tests and trials. We don't want all that mess. We know the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But there's so many, you know, if you look back over at your life, the times that you grew the most is when you came out of something, when you went through something. And when you came out the other side, you said, my God is God. I love that old, the old Ten Commandments way back. I love, I love that part. You've heard me recite it many times. When Pharaoh, after he's been pummeled time and again with another plague and another plague and another plague and another plague. And uh, I forgot who played Pharaoh in that, but I love what he said. He said on there, he finally said, because he knew it after a while, he said, he, was, he said, their God is God. And I said, oh, yeah, baby. You got the right one, baby. Amen? You know? Sometimes when you're going through stuff is when stuff, you, you experience something. And we don't want it. We're not asking for it. We're not, we're not. We have, I don't know about you. I feel like I have my share of it. Sometimes I tell God, I say, God, you, you know, I think I have my share. Why don't you give somebody else this piece? I've had mine for, you know, for this week. I think I've had it. But if I handle it right, I'm going to come out of it stronger, and I'm going to come out of it. The Bible says your faith, will, like gold, it'll come out refined and precious and pure. And then when the next giant steps out, you'll go, come on. 
Come on, come on, come on. You, 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 you. Get over here. You don't run anymore. You don't hide anymore. You don't sulk anymore. You don't lay down anymore. You don't quit anymore. You don't stop anymore. 2007, I got waylaid by a bunch of crazy people. And it I'll admit it, man, I wasn't ready. And I thought I was stronger than I was. And it got to me. And, man, I went into depression. And I, I, I just was in sorrow. And I was in sadness. And I was in darkness. And I scrapped and fought and did everything I knew. And I just couldn't get through it. And, uh, but eventually, but eventually... Because I had the right people around me. I had, some, I, had some strong, I had some strong national leaders calling me and talking to me. And finally, I, I said, man, I got to get up. What am I doing? Man, I got to get up. I can't lay here. I got to get up. And I got up and I was able to go on. And then when the next wave hit, I was kind of like, well, that kind of bugs me. Man, that's pathetic. But it didn't get me down. The next wave coming, I went, eh. And the next wave coming, I thought, whatever. Talk to the hand. Look at, your, look at your neighbor and say, I'm developing. You are. You're growing in your faith, growing in your walk with God, able now to take on and overcome stuff. God is conditioning you to be a champion, to be an overcomer. You know how to handle the pressure. You know how to handle the moment. You know what to do when things are not working out. Can you shout amen? Amen. Let's read a little bit more here. I don't even, I forgot where it's up. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play. Notice that. Full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects. Isn't that awesome? I know they don't have it on the screen now, but isn't that awesome? We're still in James 1. Fully and perfectly developed with no defects. Look at this. Lacking in nothing. Say perfectly and fully developed. Lacking in nothing. See, your family needs you to be that person. Now let's read a little bit more. Blessed, happy to be envied is the man who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation. For when he has stood the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Then we skip down and he reminds us in verse 12, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted from God, for God is incapable of being tempted by what is evil and he himself tempts no one. That's a big lesson for a lot of people that go to church. God doesn't test you with breaking your arm, causing you to have a car wreck, stealing your baby, bankrupting your baby. That is bad, bad religion. It is not Bible. God does not tempt. God doesn't do it. Let's get it right. Notice this. He says, uh, but let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted from God, for God is incapable of being tempted. What is evil, and he himself tempts no one. But every person is tempted when he's drawn away, enticed, and baited. That's a big word. Baited by his own evil desire, his lust, and his passions. Then the evil desire, when it is conceived, gives forth to sin, and sin, when it's fully matured, brings forth death, which we quoted earlier. Do not be misled, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect, free, large, full. Everyone say, free, large, full. Free, large, full. Free, large, full. I like that. Every good gift, free, large, full, is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light in the shining of whom there is no variation, rising or setting or shadow, cast by his turning as in an eclipse. So you're, you're seeing here how we've got to trust when we're in the trial, how do you get through difficult times, to trust that God is working it out. Listen, while you're walking it out, God's working it out. 
Now, when you stop walking it out, God's going to have to stop working it out. But the more you're walking it out, the more God's working it out. You get up tomorrow, you say, God, I'm going on forward. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. You're walking it out. God said, okay, you're walking it out, and I'm working it out. Amen. Amen. It's the way God is. Amen. Go to Isaiah chapter 30, and we're going to begin to fix the think about getting ready to start talking about closing. That's all southern slang. I don't know how we piece all that together, but we sure do around here. Can you shout amen? amen. Now, in this chapter, we won't go through the review, but, but you, you saw this on more than one occasion. You would see the people of God always look back to their time in Egypt, and they would always talk about, but you know, when we were in Egypt, but you know, but back when we were in Egypt, when, well, they wailed for 400 years to get out of there. And when God finally delivered them, they were wailing to get back in there. So God begins to remind them, you don't need that. You don't, you don't, don't rely on that. I've got, when I brought you out, I, had, I already had provision made. When God saved you, he began to make a provision for the rest of your life. Even if you went through a divorce after you got saved, God said, that's okay, I'll be your husband. I'll walk with you. It doesn't matter who comes and goes in your life. God said, but I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you and I'm with you always, even at the end of the world. And you can do all things through me who strengthens you. And if an enemy comes one way, he'll flee seven, amen? You'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out in the head and not the tail. And everything you put forth your hand to do, it will prosper because I'm the author and the finisher of your faith, Amen. So we get here in Isaiah 30, verse 18, and God says, and therefore will the Lord wait. Now this is, a, oh, there's so much here, and I don't have time to teach it. That he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you, for the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all that wait for him. Now notice this, this first part, there's so much in it, and I can't really break it down for you. But he says, therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious. It's not that God doesn't want to do something for you right now. He wants to, change, he wants to solve your problem today. Understand it. But did you know sometimes God has to wait? Why isn't God doing this now? Why isn't God getting me now? Because sometimes God has to wait because sometimes when you're ready, there's a lot of other people and things around you that are not ready. And it could cause a cataclysmic sort of thing happen if God was just to move in and do it now because it's just too many other things are not in place. And God's still working to get this in place and get this person in place to get this thing over here, get that thing over there. So he said, the Lord has to wait so he can be gracious to you. God doesn't want to just put a Band-Aid on your boo-boo. He wants to heal you. Can you shout amen? For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Listen to this, you ought to claim it for yourself. Thou shalt weep no more. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto you at the voice of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity, because see, they thought God did it all. Even though the Lord give you the bread of adversity, the water of affliction, yet shall not your teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. He said, here's what's going to happen. Just when you need an answer, I'm going to send someone with the answer. You, you, you've got to be able to identify the voices in your life. It seems like, man, when they speak, they have the answer for you. And once you find out who that is, I hope I'm one of those people. I sure try. I want to be one of those voices in your life. You say, man, because I know a lot of you told me, they said, man, pastor, what you preached on, have you been listening to me? Have you been snooping at my house? How did you know all that? I don't know anything. 
but I do know how to preach the, by the Spirit so God can talk. Amen. And God says, he said, there's been a time when you didn't get any answers, but I'm going to bring teachers now that have your answers. And sometimes it's in church, sometimes it's away from church. God's even made the behind of a donkey talk. <laughs> You've heard people talking out of their behind. Well, never mind. <laughs> never mind. We all need to repent of that last thought right there. In Jesus' name. All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. You think Jesus amen. I know there's hope for me because I see in the Bible how he's talked through other things. Amen. Amen. But God will send you, but, but you've got, once you identify someone that you know, man, when I get around them, there's an anointing. When I, I feel something, I feel better, I feel encouraged, I feel strengthened, I feel, I, I know I can, once you know who those people are in your life, you've got to protect that relationship at all costs. Nobody out here and nobody over there, nobody even in here is going to stop me because that's, that's my source. God's chosen for some reason. There are some people in my life, when I get around them, I'm like, I can't wait to see them. I, sometimes I'm kind of disappointed if I get to see them and I don't have a problem because I know if I had one, they're going to help. It's like, man, I almost wish I had a problem because I know when I get around them, things are going to be better. You, once you find those people, you, I mean, they're precious. You got to protect it at all costs. I've got them in my life. I have to have them. I'll tell you about when I'm here in just a few minutes after we close. And so, so uh, we got to understand God's working things out. And I wrote this down. The smoke and ashes of your life today can be the thing that causes you to win tomorrow. I really believe that. Sometimes when your life's on fire, like right now, it could be on fire. You could be going through a lot of stuff. God has a way of taking this horrible, dark moment that you feel like is your ultimate defeat and if you've ever been through a divorce, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever suffered the death of a close loved one, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been betrayed by a friend, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever had somebody steal from you, you know what I'm talking about. And you will feel kind of hopeless and you'll feel really helpless in those situations. But sometimes when your whole life's on fire, God can, that's, why, that's why it's important to love God and want his will for your life, that's the only time that scripture works where it says that all things work together. It didn't say for everybody. It didn't even say for every Christian. It says all things work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his, meaning you've answered whatever God's telling you to do, you do it. That God will cause all things to work together. He can't, he doesn't do it for everybody. Another scripture that we've taken out and we've misused and we use it to cover our own mistakes and our own sin. But if you are earnestly trying to serve God and you love him with all your heart, God can take the burning rubble of a divorce or something horrible and turn it into something that comes to be a blessing. I've told you this illustration before. I told it this morning. I'll close with it. It's, I'm going to tell you one other thing in just a minute, but I, I'm going to close with this part of the sermon at least. Um, there was a guy that had been marooned on a desert island by himself. He'd been there for years. He'd given up hope that anybody would ever come because it just hadn't. So he had learned how to fend for himself. He did know some wilderness skills. I don't know if he'd been on naked and afraid or not, but he learned how to make a fire. You know, I always say, somebody, they call me when they say, say, are you naked and afraid? I said, no, we're naked and unafraid over at our house. We don't, you know, I've been married to my wife 41 years. We're, naked, we're unafraid. We're unafraid. Come on now. Come on, Jesus, help me, loud. Come on, shoes. It's these shoes doing this today, I tell you. It's these shoes. Help us, Lord. 
But he'd learned how to build a fire. I guess he built a bow drill or something. I don't know. He built a fire, and over many years, he had meticulously built this hut, and it was pretty good. And he was living there, and every day he'd go down, and he learned how to fish, so he, he learned how to survive. So one day he was gone and from his hut, and he was down there, and he was trying to get some crabs and catch some fish and stuff, and he looked back up at the island, and he saw this smoke coming, and he ran as fast as he could, and he came back, and his hut was burned to the ground. It took him years to build it. And he just he said, God! Why did you let this happen? Why did you do this to me? God, I mean, this is not fair. It's just not fair what's happening to me. Look at what I've done. I mean, I've been, I, I still pray. I still talk to you. I've been out here by myself. And I still have, have worshipped you and called on your name. And why did you let this happen to me? And he went to bed that night, laying out under the stars, mad, mad at God, upset at God, so, so put out with God. The next morning he awakened and he heard, mm-hmm. he looked and there was a big ship sitting out here and here came a boat coming to the shore. And they ran to get him and he was like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I've been rescued. I've been rescued. How did you ever find me? They said, we saw your smoke signal. And that day that thing happened and burned your house, burned your life. Don't worry about it. God saw your smoke signal. God saw your smoke signal. God saw your smoke signal. And if you think back, some of you, some of the worst moments of your life that you thought would put you in chains the rest of your life later on became the most liberating moment of your life as you look back now because God rescued you. That's what he does, amen? You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at adoseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.